Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks, and you can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the uh, world's most retro-futurist podcast. That's right. It's Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? Doing okay. Uh, this episode of Strange New Worlds has brought me back, Bob. Last episode, I wasn't too high on this one. Liking it, liking it a lot more. Yeah, man. I'm. I'm. We're not going to revisit the argument from last week, but I'll just continue to say, I, in my opinion, it's been nothing but great week to week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can agree to disagree, Bob. But let's jump into this real quick. We're going to start off with the episode in Legion, which was Brain Drain. Yeah, yeah. So we're covering season one, episode seven of both Legion of Superheroes and Strange New World. Uh, Brain Drain, the Legion episode, originally aired on the 3rd of February, 2007. Matt, you want to walk us through that old A-plot? Yeah, so in the A-plot, Brainiac 5's first system realignment, apart from the Kolu Collective, goes awry. So the Legion needs to obtain a rare element from Timberwolf's mutation-happy red star mining homeworld, Zoon. However, only Wolf, Superboy, and Brainy's head make it through the transport gate to Zoom. Indeed, indeed. And then in the B-plot, we've got Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad trying to recover Brainy's decapitated body, which was lost in the transport gate. Yeah, this Legion episode was a very fun episode. Even though I haven't been like too sold on the Brainiac 5 character, yeah, this, this one's it's getting there. He's, he's more interesting, and there's definitely more of that. Uh, the thirst for Superboy Bob, it's there. Totally yeah. there. So so much thirst, so much thirst. And indeed, we kind of really playing up the Spock influence on Brainiac 5 because he's very much going through the Kaluan version of Ponfar. Yeah, he acts like a crazy person while locked up. Yeah, yeah. System realignment, the mating season, it's all, it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing, really. But let me say that this episode really made me think more and more about Brainiac's people being like the Borg. Because they're even they even use the uh, resistance as futile saying at one point. Did you catch all oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I caught it and then I kinda thought it was a little bit of a lame joke and so I didn't <laughs> put it in the notes. I think that was my thought process. But yeah, you're absolutely right. But that shit all fits. Like it all it all seems like like is Brainiac five really a Borg? That's my question. He's a little bit Borg, a little bit Vulcan, and you know, a little bit just soft on Superboy. Alright Bob, have we ever had a Legion of Superheroes Star Trek crossover where they point this out that maybe Brainiac's a little bit Borg? Well, there in fact has been a Legion of Superheroes Star Trek crossover. Uh, it's a very good comic. However, it's early 70s Legion crossing over with uh, original series Star Trek. So no Borg connection, sadly. But good, uh, good, good, good crossover. There also is a, uh, I, I, in my opinion, a much less good Star Trek Doctor Who crossover 
that directly ties Doctor Who and the Cybermen to the Borg. So if you really need your Borg Jones and an intercompany crossover, it's uh, Star Trek Doctor Who has you covered. I'm just saying, when we want to write something, Bob, we need to write this Legion Borg thing. I think we could really score something there. I uh, I really don't want to write that. That does not sound good. Brainiac Five <laughs> crossing over the universes. I love it. I think it's I think it'd be fantastic. Brainiac Five is really a Borg. Okay, yeah, I think they actually did do a very Borg-like adversary for the Legion in the early 2000s, although I have to be honest, I don't remember that series super well. I read it a few years ago, and I read a lot of Legion comics around it, but as I recall, it was like a, a pretty good Borg-like antagonist early in the 2000s, so, you know, maybe maybe we'll revisit that comic someday, maybe. I just, I just have a canonical opening right here, Bob, just shove the Legion into Star Trek, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy the gag from Timberwolf that the last time he went through a matter transport gate, he lost his tail, which uh, just completely blows by his uh, teammates. Yeah, that's kind of scary. I mean, did he really lose his tail? No, no, no. He says he's oh, joking. He's just, I just joking. totally don't get it. I, well, I guess I didn't get it either. I guess I'm like the Legion. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Just you're all so thick, Matt. You're all so thick. <laughs> not a not in a CC way, in a in yeah. a CK way. <laughs> And it was a kind of interesting fake out in this episode because with the premise of, you know, Brainy building the containment chamber and, you know, him going through Ponfar, you thought it would mostly be like a Brainiac 5 background episode, but it winds up another Timberwolf uh, background episode because we go to his homeworld. Although, you know, I, I wasn't opposed to it, but it did seem a little unnecessary given that like just like three or four episodes ago, we already had a very dedicated Timberwolf background episode in episode two. So I don't know. It did feel a little redundant in that sense. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Timberwolf, to be honest. I mean, he's just like a werewolf thing. Does he get more he's, interesting? Um, I can't really remember how much he's in season two or what they do with him in season two. I mean, all his jokes fall flat. He's just not like, he's not cool. I don't know. I thought you enjoyed him, him and uh, Phantom Girl bantering a couple episodes ago. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did banter. Where is Phantom Girl? She wasn't in this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's Phantom Girl and Triplicate Girl and Bouncing Boy. They just seem to show up very seldom. I, I, I'd remembered them being more consistent. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, the show really is like Superboy, Brainiac 5, and then maybe Lightning Lad. That, that's like yeah, really the show. I think Lightning Lad's been in every episode. I'm pretty sure. I may be yeah. wrong there, but... No, pr pretty close, if not everyone. Yeah, all right. yeah. What did you uh, think of uh, Brainiac's severed head listing all the varieties of kryptonite? We get a green, red, blue, gold, and purple, if I took it down, right? That's correct, yes. And I just like, it, it, it made me wonder why Brainiac isn't teaching him about this stuff. But then Brainiac makes the point of saying that he has to learn this in his actual timeline. I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's bullshit. Like, don't... It does seem very selective, right? Like, he can tell him that he has heat vision, but he can't tell him about kryptonite, you know? <laughs> yeah, they can teach him how to use his powers, but they can't teach him, like, what could harm him. It was it was interesting they went through the whole list, although I think the red kryptonite's the one that's causing him to, like, not have his powers, right? Isn't that what that, the power of that kryptonite is, the red? A originally in the Silver Age, red, I think, caused unpredictable transformations, but in the after the John Byrne reboot, I think they redid it as Red took took away his powers temporarily. Yes. Crisis of the Crimson Kryptonite. Yes, yes. Well, well, do I remember your red bordered copies of that uh, that comic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I think it was um, in the Silver Kryptonite 
serve that purpose that that red kryptonite did but probably john byrne thought blue kryptonite was like insufficiently serious you know right (laughs) and then gold kryptonite i think takes away their powers forever i think i don't know that there was purple kryptonite yeah i've never heard of purple before oh apparently it was in the super friends show Apparently the effects are never revealed, although it does show up in a 50s comic. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about Purple Kryptonite. I wish I could figure out what it actually did. Sure, we got we got gold this week, Bob. I'm telling you, I'm not a literal gold. But like, we got a Borg story we could do. We got a story about Purple Kryptonite, whatever it does to Superman. Let's get that fan mm, fiction going. Mm. Okay, so apparently in the one story that Purple Kryptonite appeared, acted like Green Kryptonite, and so some speculate that purple may be an incredible kryptonite. Others may speculate that the colorist was just careless that that month. Oh, so it might have just been an accident. Lame. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> but we, we can we can build out a, a purple kryptonite if we need to. Now let's get Grant Morrison on that to write a really long ass like series about it. I'm sure it would be better than anything DC's currently <laughs> doing. Did uh, did you have uh, thoughts on uh, Brainy like walk? with uh, spider legs out of his severed head and his eerily long mechanical tongue. Did it remind you of anything? Yeah, Brainiac's a freak. I, I talked about this in previous episodes. His robotics are not classic like robotics. It's very biological. So like with the tongue mm-hmm. extending the way it does, just mm-hmm. doesn't look, it, it, it just looks weird and awkward. But what did it remind you of, Bob? Have you ever seen the, the 1982 movie, The Thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember how the thing does like grows oh, spider legs out of the head? Yeah, and uses yeah, its yeah, tongue yeah. as a weapon. Oh, yeah. yeah, Bob. Bob made a reference that Matt knows. That might be the first time in the history of the podcast. It's a reference <laughs> to a movie that most people have seen. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, whoa, 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 whoa! You're, you're confusing categories. There's movies most people have seen, and then there's movies Matt Matt has not seen. Those are very different things. But a lot of people have seen Midsummer, Matt. It was all the buzz a couple years ago. No. Well, yeah, I, I could see, I could totally see that. But you have to remember too, I've been exposed to a lot of creatures playing these stupid video games that I've played for years and years. I, I Bob, I've been clean of video games like console games for two years now. So you got to be proud of me. I am proud that you're you're staying clean, brother. Uh, yeah. We we can get you a token. Uh, you know, I can be like your I can be your VGA sponsor. sponsor. Yeah, I yeah. still I still play games on my phone, Bob. But I've gotten cheap. I don't I, I don't haven't bought a system yet. I haven't bought a PS5 or anything. Doing pretty well, but. It's helped me realize that, oh, a lot of these things that I thought were, like, originally from video games are actually from TV shows and films. And Yeah, it turns out uh, video games are a highly derivative art form. Who knew? <laughs> if we could even call it an art form. That's, a, that's another question. <laughs> did, did you learn this by teaching at video game school, Bob? <laughs> hey, Matt, we're not going to badmouth how Bob eats, even if they don't have uh, health insurance. <laughs> Well, if you want to help Bobby, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash uncanny tricks. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. So speaking of your favorite things like staying clean from console games, uh, who is your favorite non-Superboy Legionnaire this week, Matt? Oh, all right. I got to give it to Brainiac 5. Just, uh... All right. Just, he, he's, he's working, he's working his magic on me. His, maybe I'm starting to thirst for him. Maybe I'm... <laughs> Hey, man, hey, there's just something about how uh, when a man-machine moves through his system realignment with such dignity, it's hard not to get a little thirsty for that. Yeah. Um, I, I swear I picked this before you said you didn't like Timberwolf, uh, but I'm, I'm still going to go with Timberwolf, although I would have changed it to Timberwolf after you said you hated Timberwolf had I not already picked it, so I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
random little legion story here, Bob. The li- li- mm-hmm. A little legion, little legion story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I worked in a, I worked in a classroom. I was a teacher for yes. about a ton of years, and a bunch of kids. Uh, I had this kid that brought me a toy of Superman one time, and it was like from a from a Happy Meal. And I looked mm-hmm. at it, I was like, okay, this is weird, weird design. Have it seen? Okay, cool. So I put it up on my shelf. Well, then the other kids saw that I had it on the shelf, so they started bringing me these as well. One of oh. them they brought me was Timberwolf, and another nice, one they brought nice. me, I believe, was Lightning Lad. And now I think back, I'm thinking, damn, that's when the show came out in 2011, and they had like a Happy Meal tie-in. And these kids were bringing me all these little toys, and now I'm like, oh, it's all coming back to me. Not, not dog. It was like 2006, seven, and then like eight, nine, maybe. Oh shit! Now I feel really old. Damn, that would have been yeah. like, oh man, that would have been like my first year of teaching. Shoot. Damn, <laughs> I, I, thanks for making me feel freaking old. But anyway. <laughs> very All right, nice, Bob. Very so nice. I'm glad we've helped you uh, gain a little perspective uh, on your past, Matt. All right, let's move on to Strange New Worlds, Bob, which was a crazy episode, and wild, had a wild a, had had a character that was introduced that I really liked the actress. We'll talk a little bit about her as we go through this, but let's talk about the A plot of Serene Squall, which is much better than last week's title. It is much better than last week's title. I'm glad you put that proviso on there. You were, you were trying to trigger me. You were trying to trigger me, but then you then you, then you compensated. Yeah, and that originally aired today, the 16th of June, 2022. And Matt, would you like to walk us through the recently completed A plot for Serene sure. Squall? So, the Enterprise gets lured into a pirate slaver ambush as an impersonator of an ex-Starfleet counselor spins a tale of enslaved colonists. Indeed, indeed. Um, one thing I was kind of surprised when we started out, we had a lot of Nurse Chapel in the previously on. I was, that was a little bit of a surprise. And we continue to have, uh, it feels like, the longest previously ons in the game. Not that I'm complaining, because, you know, I like the previous episodes so much, it's nice to revisit them. Yeah, most of the shows we watch require a previously on, strangely enough, because without it, you'd be completely lost. But yeah, in this case, though, Nurse Nurse Chapel, Bob, I called this first episode, she got a thing for Spock. Yeah, I mean, that that didn't, that required you to have just watched the original series, dog. Like, that's not, dog. that's not yeah. calling it. I called it first episode, Nurse Chapel's you got did, a thing for no Spock. That's no calling it. It's like... <laughs> It's already a, an established thing. Who are, who the fuck are you to call it? Like people it. know. It is known. I called it. No, you can't you can't be saying that. Put my you, name next to it. You put, heard it. Put you didn't my name call next it. To it. You heard it. Put my no. name next to it. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Go to your Reddit threads, put my name down on there. This one was called by Matt from Uncanny I, Tricks. <laughs> You, you literally are like somebody who sits down in a Superman movie and is like, oh, man, Kryptonite's going to be in this thing and it's going to fuck Superman up. Call it. Boom. <laughs> called it. All right. That's not calling it. <laughs> well, I will say this, though, Bob. I think calling that... it requires there's some possibility that the thing you're saying would not happen. All right. Let's move past this, Bob. Calm it down. It's all right. Oh, but I do God. want to point. I do want to point this out, though. I think they went a little too quickly with it because, like, they've already kissed now, and we we knew we knew he wasn't going to break up with T Pring, but uh, I was surprised that the episode opened with T Pring. I thought it was going to be a boring ass episode, but uh, it was not. Yeah, I don't know. I I do remain generally curious about where they can take Spock and Chapel, given that they have to like reset it back to Spock being engaged with T'Pring for a muck time 
and given that like i'm sure they're right the writers seem like they're smart people so i'm sure they're aware of this but i still just kind of think that like if spock and chapel do have a relationship and then it just kind of de- chapel like vaguely thirsting after him like she does in the original series that's kind of sad and you know that that's just like not ideal storytelling in my opinion yeah I, i'm just not a big fan of tapering uh, oh i i i love her i mean she's like it takes a character who's like literally nothing in the original series she's just there to frustrate spock and like they've done some really interesting things with her like her dynamics with spock are really interesting i mean it was pretty surprising that i felt like that we opened this episode with her doing like her little you know uh vulcan a prison guard log and you know i was very happy to see her i thought it was great very hilarious that she's been reading the great classics of 20th century um earth sex literature that was deeply amusing so did you not see that uh so tapering has been reading she's she was reading henry miller erica john maggie nelson was not reading uh the author of uh 50 shades of Stephanie, Grey. No, not Stephanie Meyer. That's uh, that's that would be Peaks. that'd be Twilight. Not, bro. not Twilight. Not Twilight. <laughs> not Twilight. My God. You said Stephanie Meyer wrote <laughs> Twin Peaks. I did say that. That was a terrible. That was a terrible goof. Um, I want to say S.E. Hinton, but I think they wrote the Outsiders. <laughs> yeah, that that would be the Outsiders. Bob, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was written by E.L. James. That's right. How how dare I not know the greatest literary export of <laughs> Seattle? That's a it's a real that's a real failing on my part. Yeah, that shows claim to fame right there, Bob. Indeed, indeed. Um, I in the trailer for the last one, I, they had a lot of shots of Lake Washington. I was very surprised. Um, but yeah, no, Tipring uh, getting educated on uh, Earth sex literature was pretty funny. Uh, Spock's uh, coughing response while drinking from a wine glass was also pretty funny. Uh, I, I deeply, I deeply enjoyed that. And he um, wants to read them together with her. <laughs> I, I don't think he wants to read them at all, but I think he figures it's better to do it that way than any other way. That, that was my read on it. He's a smart man. Indeed, indeed. I, one thing that slightly uh, crimped my uh, enjoyment was I was trying to figure out if Counselor Aspen, who's this counselor who is spinning a story about colonists getting enslaved outside of Federation space, I was trying to figure out if uh, she was human or alien, and I accidentally spoiled myself um, that she's, you know, not who she says she is, but she's in fact the space pirate named Captain Angel. And all, I also managed to spoil myself into finding out that uh, she is Cybok's um, wife. But nonetheless, it was a very well handled reveal. And you know, having spoiled myself going into the episode, I was kind of surprised by how long they drug out the reveal that you know she was not the counselor but the pirate. Yeah, I called it. She was a bad guy at the beginning. See, Matt, that's actually an example of calling something. <laughs> and I'll give you I'll give you props for that. Like, good job. Good job. Thanks, I, Bob. I, I recognize the literary structure of the story. I had a feeling yeah. that she was gonna she was not who she seemed to be. She was just a little too nice. Alright, Matt. So the score the score for this episode is Matt is correctly called one thing. Not two things, one thing. One. <laughs> well, Counselor Aspen is played by a really great actress, Jesse James Keitel. Uh, and she is from the show. The first time I was, I thing I ever saw with her in it was big sky, which it was actually pretty good. She plays a, uh, prostitute 
who later becomes a private investigator. Very Twin Peaks vibes from the show. The writing is not as good. Okay. It's a network it's, show, right? Yeah, so yeah, so don't go I wouldn't go into it thinking, you know, this is something amazing that is gonna be like comparable to Twin Peaks. I mean there are certain aspects, but it's not a new Twin Peaks. And uh, it's it's set like my in Montana. Yes, yeah, it's set in Montana. And she's a great actress on that on that show. Uh, and then seeing her I was like, All right, they're actually looking for people who have some talent. She's on a queerest folk as well. The new like rebooted queerest folk. Yeah, the new yeah, the new one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually, I, we're having like so many firsts, Matt. Like we're having a first in this episode where you get my movie reference. You're having a first where you know more about an actor than I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, I, I, I'm getting educated. This is great. This is great. Yeah, I looked her up and I haven't seen any of Big Sky, although I have heard good things about the uh, novels that they're based off of. I think CJ Box is the writer. But apparently that makes her the first non-binary actor to be a network series regular. So, yeah, yeah. Though, d- despite being non-binary, she goes by uh, she, her pronouns. But, yeah, it's, uh, it was a great role. Um, honestly, I, I went ahead and picked her, you know, spoilers, as my favorite character. But I was thinking, like, since Deep Space Nine, I don't think Star Trek has done very well with villains in general. Like, there just haven't been that many, like, great villains after, like, Dukat and Kai Wen and um, Wei Yun. And, straight, and I really don't think, like, Enterprise or Discovery or even Lower Decks has managed to plug that gap, but really did manage to plug that gap in this episode. Because we've got uh, her just chewing up all the scenery. It's really delightful. And then we're also kind of hinting at, like, Cybok as a reoccurring antagonist. A lot of villainous potential for uh, future episodes of Strange New Worlds. Right. And I was surprised to see Cyborg at the end of the episode. No spoilers for those of you that haven't watched this, which I don't know why you're listening if you haven't, but Cyborg is best known from Star Trek V, and he's a little mm-hmm. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Great. I, I think I've told you on air about this, but you've seen that um, you've seen that meme that's done in the animated series style, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just for the listeners, it's like animated series style versions of like Spock's family. So you have like Sarek and Amanda, the parents, and then you have like kid versions of like Cybok, Michael Burnham and Spock. It's very amusing. One of the other nice things about this episode was the writers or the actress uh, playing Captain Angel worked in a lot of like non-binary jokes and non-binary themes with like her trolling Spock about snipping his emotions off. And then um, her trolling Spock about how he may in fact not be human nor Vulcan, but some, you know, a third thing, if you will. And I, that, I thought that was like really well done. It, it was like, it was very funny and it was, it wasn't subtle, but it wasn't also, it also wasn't like too glaring or too on the nose. I thought it was, it was a nice balance. And I'm just hoping she's kind of a recurring villain for the series, but I'm assuming she will be if, yeah, certainly seems like they're setting up her and Cybok to be kind of ongoing antagonist, kind of like Harry Mudd or Khan style, you know? Right. Another thing I really enjoyed, like, chemistry-wise um, was, I mean, I, I think Pike and the bridge crew always have a good thing going, like, in terms of banter, but this episode was just great. Like, Pike and Ortegas are, uh, you know, bantering about using date as a measure of distance when they're navigating the Enterprise. <laughs> and then you have, like, Pike being so enthusiastic about, like, piracy and his mutiny scheme and, number one, being a lot more skeptical and a lot more uh, a lot more exasperated by it. It was just a lot of great chemistry between Pike and the bridge crew this episode. 
Yeah, there's something to say about the writing when, like, you know, the when the bridge crew were had been kept kidnapped or captured or whatever, and they were in the cell and they were planning the mutiny piece. Mm-hmm. They were. It was like they were. You know, they were in like a life or death situation, but they were having fun. The writers and the actors both were able to convey that in a way that just makes those scenes like way more interesting than if they had just been like serious the entire time about what they're doing and not trying to like you know plot around and had uh, you know the actor who plays Pike not been so comical with his emotions and the way he like referred to himself you know with the pirate thing at the very end. Yeah, no, it's and it's it's just really a credit to how well they've like developed all these characters in like just seven episodes, um, as opposed to certain other new Star Trek shows, Cough Cough Prodigy, Cough Cough, um, Cough Cough Discovery. I mean, no, I know, no, I know all the, I know all the Prodigy characters because of their colors. That's about, like, <laughs> there's there's like the one that's pink and big, and then there's the one that's like a little orange dude and. You just keep calling it, Matt. Nobody can stop you from calling things. <laughs> I honestly, when I picture Prodigy in my head, even though I know we covered like so many episodes of it, all I picture is this like some kind of creature. It's not even on the show. That's the weird part. It's just some creature in like a Starfleet uniform. And I'm like, that's not yeah. the right show, Matt. Like, it's not. It's not the... I, I don't think I've done this on air before. So, Matt, I just want to publicly apologize for making you watch as many episodes of Prodigy as we did for this podcast. I'm sorry. That was wrong. That was that was a real imposition on our friendship. And I actually do deeply regret it. Do we watch? Was there more, Were there more to watch that we didn't um, cover? I think or? if I remember right, I think we covered like the first five or so. And then I think we skipped an episode that we thought was boring. <laughs> we came back to yell about the holodeck episode oh, yeah. that was so off-putting and weird. And then I think we stopped covering after that, and there was maybe one or two episodes after that. That's okay. my memory. I might be wrong about that. Every anytime I think of that show, I think of like a Star Wars, like Clone Wars show or some shit like that. It's entirely what it is, my brother. Entirely Prodigy, what it yeah, is. Yeah, Prodigy just doesn't come up with anything like Star Trek related in my brain. And then Discovery, you're right, though. Discovery, other than Burnham... Well, I, I, I guess in some ways I'm being unfair to Discovery, because I feel like Burnham, Tilly, Colber, and Stamets, and yeah, Saru but... are all well-developed. But it's just, it's just still just such a weird show that, like, you still really don't know who any of the bridge crew are. I mean, they did some work on Detmer and Awarshika in Season 4, so... I think Detmer and Awarshika are in a better place character-wise, finally, but they're still not that well fleshed out. And then the other characters like Reese and uh, the blonde lady Nielsen, I think. There's just, you know, what have they shown us about them? Like, nothing. Well, you want to get back to a happier topic, Matt? Yeah, let's get back to a happier topic. Did, uh, one thing that I did notice is when that they were in the like asteroid field thing and there was this trap. Lasers shooting across different asteroids or whatever, and they were... Yeah, yeah. Yes, it did remind me of the OG episode, Tholian Web. Yeah, I think the visuals and the like conceptual are a little different in the Tholian Web episode. But yeah, I mean, it's totally just like it can't help but remind you very much of that episode. It did make me worry a little bit, though, that this was going to be like the focus of the episode of them having to get out of this net. (laughs) I was very grateful when they got out of it, like, you know, super quick and Spock had to make a decision. (laughs) That was awesome because I was like, okay, this is not going to be the whole episode of they're, they're trapped and this thing is shrinking and they'll never escape. And then last minute, something will happen. But... I do hope, though, that the show kind of keeps going with 
them like messing around with Tholians, Gorn, and Orions more than Klingons and Romulans. I mean, it'll be hard for them to mess around with Romulans anyway, given like the state of like Romulan history right. before the original series. But I, I like I, I do hope they can kind of keep exploring the original series species that Enterprise did a little bit for the Gorn and the Orion and the Tholians, but not that much. Yeah, I can see that. I can see them not wanting to really touch the Klingons for a while, especially after everything they did with them in Discovery. Yeah, and to, I mean, to be clear, I one of the things I don't criticize Discovery for is I actually thought Discovery Klingons were pretty good. Like I, I enjoyed it for the most part, but I do think that just that they did so much in season one with the Klingons that probably they should give it a rest. You know. Let's talk about it for about about Orion pirates, Bob. My first exposure to real Orion pirates was in that. Star Trek original series game that was on the PC and you had to like oh, shoot yeah. down the Ryan the pirate 25th vessel. An, the 25th anniversary game. Well, actually not, not to be a nerd pedant, but for whatever reason, they weren't Orion pirates. They were called like Elysian pirates. Oh God. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that damn. I don't remember anything about it other than just like very like basic. Like I remember, I remember there were Orion pirates. I didn't know what they were. So I learned from that. But, wow, damn, Bob, that's a memory right there. No, it, it, it was kind of a weird choice. I've never been sure why they didn't just make them Orion pirates. But, yeah, we never actually, we never, there's one Orion episode of the original series, the one with Sarek and um, Amanda on the Enterprise, Journey to Babel. Mm-hmm. But you never actually see an Orion in the episode. It's just like the Enterprise having like a long distance battle with their ship. You see the Orion uh, slave girls in a couple of episodes of the original series. Yeah. But then you see Orions in one episode of the animated series from the seven. But they look nothing like the Orion slave girls. And it's not really a good design. Enterprise, they started showing like male Orions who were also like green skinned like the slave girls. Yeah, the the male Orions look like Gamorrean guards or Star Wars. Didn't they have the big show play an Orion pirate in Enterprise? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think we saw a couple of Orions in small roles in early seasons of Discovery, too. Oh, well, well, the villain in season three, she's Orion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've seen them. We've seen them in a lot of different places. Well, they were, but I remember like when we were kids and big fans of Star Trek, they and the Tholians were like always kind of a whole, right? Because. Like DS9 and Next Gen and Voyager did anything with the Tholians or the Gorn or the Orion. So those were, to me, those always felt like a big hole. And I didn't watch Enterprise until much later, you know? Yeah. So I didn't really see how Enterprise had developed them until, you know, a few years ago. In general, though, they just, they do a lot of great work to make this kind of feel like a swashbuckly pirate movie. I don't know, like Pike kind of getting conscripted to be a better cook for the pirate crew. It just feels very much like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean gag. Um, you gotta love his infectious enthusiasm. Yeah, and them going on mutiny was fantastic, especially the one of the final scenes where the uh, Enterprise crew is on the bridge of, of the ship, and then you have the mutiny still taking place in the background. <laughs> yeah, number <laughs> one's was... like, we may have been a little premature seizing yeah. the bridge. <laughs> and it's also pretty hilarious uh, that the um, actor playing the, the Orion pirate is an Irish guy. Apparently he also showed up in like one episode of Game of Thrones as one of the Ironborn. In, uh, but just an Irish Orion pirate just really cracked me up. I thought it was great. So you remember uh, old Stone, right, Matt? Stone's a familiar guy to you? Stone. Now, help me with this, Bob. I don't know this. 
so remember in uh, Amok Time, the original series episode where T'Pring dumps Spock? Yeah. You remember who she dumps him for? Oh, she dumps him for stone? She dumps him for stone. And Stone's an asshole, apparently, too. Uh, I don't think we know that. If I re- My memory of that may not be as strong as it should be, but I, I, I think Stone is not much of a character in that episode, and you get the sense that it's more like... In, you know, not to not to like dunk on the original series, but in a kind of like, you know, mid '60s sexist way, you kind of get the sense that it's Tapring, who's like the evil scheming woman. I need to go back and watch that again. You can you can blame it on the uh, the prison fog. Yeah, like the prison fog. <laughs> yeah, or not the prison fog. I meant the COVID fog. Sorry. The COVID fog. Yeah, yeah. COVID fog, real thing. It'll mess up your Star Trek knowledge. It'll mess up everything. <laughs> well, and I, I, I maybe I maybe had a symptomless COVID because I'm apparently uh, experiencing COVID fog because I just butchered one of the other great lines I wanted to read was um, when Captain A tells to Pring when they're kind of having their face off on the view screen. Uh, You're very attractive for a prison guard. I kind of like that they're developing uh, to Pring a little better, like a lot in the show. Or maybe that is a good thing. I, you'd mentioned that earlier. Now I'm thinking about it. You know, there is a lot more to her now than you know what we originally had in the original series. So, kudos to them for doing that. They're doing the same thing with uh, Nurse Chapel as well, which I appreciate. Yeah, because it's it's kind of interesting because there's the characters like um, there's the characters like number one who feel very much like just you know the like the great performance that Magical Barrett did in the in the cage, taken to its logical conclusion, and you know that with Spock too. But then you have characters like Mbinga and Chapel and Tapring, where the show is just giving them so much more depth than they whole series. All right, Bob. So anything else about Strange New Worlds? Uh, I just wanted to say, I, like, I love this sh- show so much. It's a little sickening. Um, it's like, I don't know. It's it's honestly, it's almost kind of hard to podcast about because it's just, it's all so great. I guess kind of feel like I'm being kind of boring and gushing and repetitive. It's just so good. It's just so good. It's definitely the best Star Trek since uh, DS9 went off the air. And it might be my favorite Star Trek of all time if it keeps going like this. And the cartoon from 2007 that we're comparing it to is pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just out of curiosity, is, is there something else you think we should have compared it with? Because I I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying this to be defensive. I'm just I'm struggling to think what else would have worked. I don't know. I, I'm thinking that... I would have liked to have done Legion and Young Justice together. I think would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. My original idea was to to for us to do like the Legion cartoon and the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. Oh yeah, see that may I don't know that could work. Uh, it's just it's just I see the I see the setting is still kind of similar, but Stranger Worlds is just so damn good. It's just hard to yeah compare it to something else. So for character of the week, Bob. I'm going to steal your thunder. I went with Captain Angel as well because it just stole the show. Yeah, yeah. No, she's she's so good. Um, apparently, she also uh, does some drag queen work too. And I was just thinking about a buddy of mine who like both loves Star Trek and loves uh, drag queens. And I was just thinking about how happy this episode will make him. And because she's just, you know, like, like a good queen, she's just got such an arch campy like way to command the stage, you know, the way she's like sitting in Pike's chair on the bridge and just dominating the bridge and dissing to Pring and Spock. It's so fun. Episode of the week, Bob. Sorry, Legion. Serene Squall. Just 
fantastic episode. Oh man, I re- I really thought you were gonna go with the shocker there, Matt. I thought you were gonna nah. be like, nope, nope, brain drain is what's up, man. Brain drain is what's up. <laughs> no, strange new worlds made up for their week last week with me. And... All right, well, this has been a, a a disgustingly positive episode of Legion of Superheroes versus Strange New World. Although at least I did get uh, irritated at you at a couple points, so you know yeah. maybe that makes for good radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bobby, for, you forget how you yelled at me like a bunch. <laughs> It must have been. It was positive for you. <laughs> I, you you literally were saying that you called it. Like you didn't. You, I mean, you called Captain Angel. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. But you didn't call Nurse Chapel and Spock. There's nothing to call there. It's known. <sighs> All right. This has been Legion of Superheroes versus Strange New Worlds, the Galaxy's Most Retro Futures podcast. I am Bob in Cascadia, jealous and not calling it. That's Matt in the Southland. He's called it. We're not sure what, but he's called it. Have a good night, everybody. I called you saying that, and I called myself saying thanks for listening. Oh!